You're listening to A Conduit's Diary. This is a podcast about me, Rachel, and my experiences as I investigate paranormal activity as a conduit. This is rated R for explicit because I do have a little bit of a foul mouth. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you listen to it. I hope everyone had a fun and relaxing weekend. And I hope you're ready for episode 33, Stairwell Concerts. Dear Rachel, you were recommended to us by a friend of a friend. It's important that some things are made clear before we meet. First of all, you're to tell no one that you came to our place of business. We won't disclose the location until this is agreed upon. While it's a very public secret that our business is haunted, we like it to be a matter of lore and not reality. You see, having reality ghost hunting shows is one thing, These people do not claim to exercise a spirit. They are purely entertainment and thus harmless. If there was an inkling that we did have a bona fide spirit that we had to hire someone to get rid of, well, it would ruin us. For this reason, I do not want you to reply unless you can agree to our terms. Sincerely, Jacinda Marie Fox Alamond. It's not the weirdest email I've ever gotten, that's for sure. Usually it's women making me swear I won't tell their husbands. As I look back at my diary and see the hauntings I've explored, I'm always interested to see that it's the women who typically report the issues and the men have their heads in the sand. Movies drive this point home. I'm not sure if it's because women are less likely to be believed. Hello, hysteria and hysterectomy have the same roots or because we're more sensitive to whatever lies beyond. If you ask my mother, she'd say our line just happens to be women, and there's nothing more to it. I don't believe her. Jacinda was reaching out against the advice of their boss. That's truly why she asked for utmost secrecy. That's why she wanted me to come in the middle of the day on her boss's day off. Jacinda was the exact type of person that should be managing a five-star hotel. She was punctual, to the point, and took absolutely zero nonsense. When she met me, she extended her hand and shook it in the firmest, heartiest handshake I'd ever experienced in my life. I tried not to wince as I extracted my hand from her grip, subtly shaking my fingers to try to get the feeling back in them. She gave me a once-over, and it was clear that she found me lacking. I'd been trying to look a little more professional lately, especially if I was going to be called to work with Harry. Still, the hot Arizona sun didn't allow for much in the way of business attire. I was already sweating through my light blue blouse, and I refused to wear heels, so flats it was. Jacinda wore a smart blazer and a pair of cropped, fitted business slacks. She wore heels that she commanded with nary a teeter, as she led me over the cobblestone driveway into the hotel lobby. The hotel, let's just call it Haunted Hotel, was a popular five-star resort in the downtown Phoenix area. It's been around since Phoenix was something worth having a name. Even me, who knew nothing about champagne and caviar, was familiar with the hotel. I read that John Dillinger once stayed here while he was a wanted criminal, and the hotel threw him a big party. President sometime vacation here, you get the idea. It was famous for reasons outside of its alleged hauntings. 
It'd been on numerous TV shows highlighting its haunted past. It wasn't that different of a story to any other haunted hotel. Employees feeling shoved, watched, especially in the kitchen. Guests would hear singing in the stairwell. Every so often, children would giggle. If you looked into the history, there was a death or two in the building of the hotel, and then over the century had been in operation. Plus, the stories about when it was renovated and multiple contractors reported all sorts of weird shit. I'm sure none of it had to do with it being built in the turn of the century with turn-of-the-century wiring. The lobby was a blast of cold air that made me thank God for Phoenix's hatred of its own desert heat. I sighed contentedly, glad to be out of the 90-degree weather. We had a dip into the 70s and 80s last week that got my hopes up that global warming was going to extend winter a little further, but the joke was on me. Easter was so hot in my neighborhood that the kids did their Easter egg hunt at 6 a.m. The lobby was wave after wave of chilly air that instantly dried the sweat on my face. I'm sure you're familiar with the hotel's history, Jacinda said over her shoulder. She was taking me through the lobby to a conference room, ushering me in with a quick glance over her shoulder. I know there's some interesting stories over the years. I think I saw you guys on Haunted Discovery, too, I said. She smiled slightly, nodding as she sat down at one of the tables inside the room. Yes, we're a very well-known hotel. The haunting is part of the allure, as well as our world-class chef, family-friendly water park, and attention to conservation of the desert landscape. I was tempted to ask her how having a water park was paying attention to the conservation of the desert, since it was well known we were in a perpetual drought, but Jacinda was dangling a lot of money in my face. It was just enough to buy a lightly used car with real AC and more than 12 miles to the gallon. I swallowed my retort and plastered on the smile. I'm assuming you'd like to keep the haunting theoretical and less actual? She nodded her face stretching into an actual smile. I knew we'd be on the same page. You came highly recommended. You must have done your research. I'm not exactly well known, I said. She nodded. Yes, that's what we liked most. Some of the more popular local experts are lacking both in their discretion and, well, proof. Reputation is everything in the hotel world, and yours is immaculate. Well, thanks, I, I guess. I try. Jacinda's smile slipped a bit at that. So, how does this work? She asked. You show me where the issue is, and I see if I can find what's going on. Then you get rid of it? She asked. I shrugged. Sometimes. Sometimes it's not that easy, or they don't want to believe, but they can be persuaded to keep their hands to themselves. I see, Jacinda said, giving me another once-over. I cleared my throat. Well, why don't you show me around, and we'll go from there. The first place Jacinda took me was the kitchen. It was just after lunch, so the employees were mostly cleaning dishes and getting ready for dinner, so it was relatively empty. The staff gave hellos and nods to Jacinda as she walked through, which she returned by calling every employee by name. At last, she brought me to the back of the kitchen near a wine cellar. This area is particularly known for issues. There's a lot of things falling off the wall, flying across the room. I nodded and opened the door to the wine cellar aware that the door wasn't quite steady on its hinges. I entered the cellar and closed the door behind me, watching the bottles against the wall rattle as I did so. 
I hate to upset you, I told Jacinda as I peeked my head out from the cellar. I think your ghost is just some poor craftsmanship. This door is barely on the hinges and it rattles when it's closed. That's probably your issue. Jacinda frowned and walked into the cellar and closed the door, cramping the two of us into the small space. She watched the bottles rattle and shook her head. Well, I'll be damned, she said. We exited the cellar and she pulled out her phone to type angrily into it. All the contractors here in the next day to figure out how to better secure things. The building is old. I thought we'd addressed all the issues over these years. She shoved her phone back into her pocket of her blazer and nodded ahead of her. Unfortunately, fortunately, most of the rest of the hotel was riddled with the same sort of construction issues. A buzzing heard in room three was because of loose screws in the duct system. The sound of dripping in room six was due to faulty pipes under the sink. The list went on. Jacinda was growing more and more annoyed as the tour went on, realizing she'd probably sunk a good chunk of change for some 30-year-old ghost hunter to point out that they just needed a good construction crew to pass through the hotel. I guess it's good news, I offered her when she continued in grumpy silence. At long last, we made it to the last part of our tour de haunt, the stairwell along the far side of the building. Most people don't use the stairwell anyway. It's not easy to navigate with baggage. She pointed out the steep, shallow stairwell that looked original with the building. The walls had a facelift and were a light cream color, but the carpet on the floor of the stairs looked original with the building. The stairs themselves at least had a little renovation with beautiful stainless steel work. It looked like it was in the middle of a transition to something more modern, but hadn't quite made it yet. Interesting look, I said to Jacinda. She nodded. We have trouble keeping contractors very long when they work on the stairwell. We've had to get people from out of state. I raised my eyebrows. Oh? I asked. She nodded. It's not just production line delays, either. It's like, I don't know. The contractor world is small, and they've all told each other not to work on the stairwell. The longest lasted two weeks, and I think it's because the boss made the workers come, even when they refused. Finally, he came down to yell at them in person, and, well, they packed up and we haven't heard from them since. Do they ever say why, I asked? She sighed and looked up the stairwell. Oh, all sorts of ridiculous things. The most guests have ever reported is hearing singing in the stairwells or giggling in voices. I mean, it's very, very echoey. She called out loudly to emphasize her point, her voice echoing up and down the steep stairwell. Who's to say it's not some kids playing? We are very family friendly, and the top floors usually use the stairs to get to the pool instead of the elevator since it can be so crowded. Anyway, it's the most common complaint. Singing. Some of them. She trailed off and shook her head. What? I asked. Some of them claim they see a headless child. Oh, what? I asked, the hair on my arms raising. I know, I know. How can a headless child sing? Anyway, they can't tell the age. They say it's a girl because she's wearing a dress, but the headless child will pull pranks on them, and they see glimpses of her. Some claims she talks to them and whispers in their ear, and they turn around and she's gone. Why didn't we just start here? I asked. Jacinda shrugged. It's the end of the tour, and it's the least believable of every other area. Don't give me that look. It's just their stories don't line up. The other places where we have activity, it's consistent. And here it seems like each contractor tries to one-up the one before about what's going on. She shook her head and looked up the stairwell again. 
Have you ever witnessed it? I asked. No, I've heard the singing, but like I said, we have a lot of kids. And you're sure it's not an employee singing in the stairwell? I asked. She shrugged. It could be, but I don't know why they would do that. I thought back to a video Hema showed me of a woman with an amazing voice singing in her apartment stairwell. She was really good, but I'd probably shit myself if I heard that while trying to bring groceries up the stairs. So you've ruled that out, I asked? She shrugged. I guess it doesn't explain the fantastical stories. The singing seems to be the worst of their complaints. One of the companies told us to burn down the building. He was so terrified. He called it cursed. His story was a little more radical. He said the child's head rolled down the stairs and bounced step by step and landed at his feet. Then its eyes popped open and it screamed. Holy shit, I said, getting an idea exactly what kind of being was in the stairwell. And the stories are always this way? Trying to scare? I asked. Trying? Succeeding? These contractors practically run screaming from here. I think I can handle this. Would you mind locking all the doors to the stairwell except for this bottom one? I'll come out when I'm done. Jacinda blinked at me. Just like that? She asked. I shrugged. You hired me because I'm the best. I think I can handle a little headless kid. She shuddered and nodded, grabbing her phone from her pocket again. Ugh, the signal in here is trash. I'll step out and call maintenance to lock the, all the doors. The stairwell is all yours. The last click of the door to the stairwell locking echoed down the steep steps. I stood on the ground floor, head tilted back to look up at the crisscrossing steps. To my dismay, I caught sight of movement very, very high up. This monster was going to make me climb to them. I knew it. That was the nature of these little miserable beasts. They basically fed on fear and anger. I took a deep breath to school my emotions and started the unbearable trek up the steep steps. On the fourth floor, I felt like my heart was going to pound out of my chest and my lungs were going to explode. Thankfully, I looked up and saw a body tilting down at me from the stairwell above. And it was, truly, a body. A headless child wearing a dress was leaning down the stairwell, watching me struggle up the steps. Thankfully, there was no blood. This imp didn't know enough about human anatomy to know that a headless child should be covered in blood. Instead, the shoulders abruptly ended with half a neck with ragged edges like it'd been sawed off. The dress it wore looked like something a child would wear in the late 1800s, with frills and bows. As I turned to walk up the last stairwell, I heard the sound of something bouncing and rolling down each step. Looking up, I saw it. A girl's head with long black hair bouncing down each step. Bump, bump, bump. It stopped at the landing I was on, rolling a foot to bump against my shoes. The head settled and the face stared up at me. Eyes closed, serene, as though it was sleeping. I bent down to pick it up. Its eyes popped open to stare at me, black eyes rimmed with red, wide and frantic. The mouth opened and it screamed a blood-curdling scream. Despite being prepared for this, I jumped back, falling on my ass on the stairwell as the head continued to scream and roll toward me, its voice muffled when it would roll face down into the carpet. Overhead, I heard the singing start, a sound that echoed down the stairwell one eerie note at a time. Come to play with the kids who've died, buried here by adults who lied. Come to play with the kids who are dead, 
Watch closely before we take your head. The head before me stopped screaming to join in on the song. Above, I heard the heavy thumps of someone walking down the stairs, step by step. I looked up to see the body that was just hanging over the railing, making its way down blindly, each step heavier than the last, as it wandered toward its severed head. Yeah, that'd scare any contractor. I scooped up the head and squared my shoulders at the body. It hesitated at the landing above, as though watching in curiosity. Conduit, said the head under my arm. Imp, I returned. The head in my arm hissed and shook until I dropped it. It rolled backwards up the stairs to the body, which scooped down to pick it up and place it back on its shoulders. It narrowed its eyes at me before looking up. I followed its gaze to three more similar-looking children, all who glared down at me with their arms crossed over their chests. "'What do you want, conduit?' the one closest to me asked. Above me, the other imps whispered to each other, their voices echoing through the stairwell with the same eerie quality as the singing. "'What are you even doing here, in four of you, in one place?' The imp in front of me shrugged. "'This place is very active and very close to him,' it said. I tried not to shiver at its words, but failed. The imp noticed and smiled slowly. "'Ah, so you know of him.' He's the source of all power. He is the being we belong to. He will be most angry if you take us away. It was an empty threat. I doubted the black shadow demon of my past cared very much about four little troublemakers. I don't care about making him angry. He doesn't scare me, I said. The imps higher up giggled, their voices echoing. That's foolish of you. You should be scared. I raised an eyebrow at the one in front of me. Oh yeah? What hold does he have on the living? I asked. The imp tilted its head, which slid a bit off its shoulders in the process. And you call yourself of the living? You don't claim to be one of us? It sounded confused, but also amused. I'm not an imp, I retorted with an eye roll. My other hand was in my purse, moving slowly through the items I brought until I found what I was looking for. My fingers closed over it, holding it tightly to prepare to utilize it. Oh, no, but you're not a human either, are you? It asked. I sighed. I'm not as easily scared as the others who come here. You can't try to convince me that my human mother and human father gave birth to anything else. Is your mother human, conduit? Asked the imp pointedly. I hope so. She pays taxes. She'd be pissed to find out she's not even human in paying their silly bills. Overhead, the imps giggled at my words, whispering even louder to each other. The imp in front of me grinned widely at my words. Use humor to cover your feel. We can smell it on you. The imps the stairwell above cackled in agreement. Right. Well, as fun as this has been, I started pulling the item from my purse. The imp in front of me screeched a loud scream at the sight of it, its form wavering. The image of the little girl was melting away to reveal its true form, a small, thin creature. Honestly, their normal form was more terrifying than some Victorian child. They were no more than three feet tall with long, spindly arms and legs and bodies that looked like tree branches. Their faces were long with a crooked nose and rows of razor-sharp teeth. It was hunching now, moving away from the item I held in my hands.
all supernatural beings have a common thread, and it's that they don't belong here. If a rift is open to where they belong, they're drawn onto it. The item in my hand was a sort of a rift, a box with pieces of that other side, of that other world where they came from. Once opened, it sought whatever was closest to it. In this case, it was the imps, who called out in high-pitched screams as they tried to climb the stairs quickly to get away from the box. The draw was too strong, and I watched as they started to fall down the stairwell toward the box, their long fingers digging into the carpet on the landing to try and slow their descent. The carpet tore under their fingernails, and they screamed, grabbing each step as they fell down toward me. The end closest to me was the first one in the box, its red eyes boring into mine as it fought against the pool. Why don't you see if this box can keep you too, if you're so human? It asked, before it disappeared into the black belly of the box. The other three came without so much as a threat to me, staring up at the empty stairwell in dismay before disappearing into the box. What the hell is this? Jacinda asked, pointing to the torn carpet. And the noise, she cried, throwing her hands in the air. I winced, looking around. They're gone. I I can't keep it all quiet, I tried to explain. Her face was getting redder by the minute. She reached into her pocket and threw an envelope full of cash at me. You better pray to every god this worked. The guests are in stitches over the noise. Screaming? And the carpet? It's original to the hotel. It's not like we can just buy more. Well, now your contractors won't run away mid-renovation, so you're welcome, I retorted as I headed for my car. I shook my head as I shoved the envelope into my purse, pausing at the box full of imps. I pulled it out and turned it over in my hand, looking at the innocuous box. The imp's words stuck in my mind, married with the various things supernatural beings have said to me over the years. I pulled out my phone to text my mother and paused. She would deny it, of course. I frowned and pulled up a different contact, pressing the call button. He answered on the third ring. Hey, Dad, it's Rachel. Can you meet for dinner? A Conduit's Diary is created by me, written and produced by me, mixed horribly and edited by me. Cover art created by BMC Design on Fiverr. Music, intro and outro created by Chris Hornberger.